0: Welcome to Christmas Eve at Union Chapel. We're so glad you're here. I'm Greg Paris and it's been a blessing to uh, conduct these services all day and what a beautiful experience we've been having. It's so, so delightful to be in God's presence with his people to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We've been talking about the journey that Joseph and Mary took to deliver this baby into the world and we've been reading between the lines. We've talked about what it means to respond to a change of plans. We all make plans and they get changed and how do we react to that. Then we talked about how to overcome offenses. We decided that life is too short and our calling is too big, too great to live offended. And last week we talked about how to overcome overcome shame. And all of us to one degree or another suffer with that. Tonight I want to talk about how to overcome. Over, overcome these, uh, these labels that people place on us from time to time in life that can really get a hold of us and do damage. And so tonight we will continue the story from our text in Luke chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, Luke chapter 2, we will read verses 8 to 20. If not, we'll project the words on the screen. Our custom at Union Chapel is, is to stand to hear God's word. So as you're able, thank you for doing that. And again, I'll pick it up at verse 8. and when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. And may God inspire us today through this beautiful story. You may be seated. Now, finish this statement for me. You ready? S- say it out loud sticks and stones may break my bones but I don't know if you've ever thought about that statement that virtually everybody knows but it's one of the goofiest statements that anyone ever came up with I mean it's just crazy look at that in contrast to Proverbs 18:21. I'll put this on the screen for you this is what Solomon said he said the tongue has the power of life and death pretty serious words have the power of life and death. Words can build and words can destroy. When you hear something over and over again, you begin to believe it's true. Words in your life and my life have had a shaping and defining power in our lives. I know just by the law of averages that there are people in this room today who benefited from growing up hearing things like, I love you, I'm proud of you, you've got the right stuff. You can do anything you set your mind to do. I also know just based on numbers that there are people in this room who have suffered because you heard things like, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. Words have a powerful shaping force in our lives. And indeed, all of us have been positively and negatively affected in our present life because of words used to us in the past. Maybe it was a chronic belittling that came from our parents. Maybe it was a one-time event when someone important in your life made a comment to you or about you that left you wounded and you internalized it, you began to assimilate it, you began to believe it in your own life. You're lazy or you're just gonna be an average student or you'll never achieve at a high level or you're just very insecure, you're just very weak, you're just a hothead, you always lose your cool you're overly sensitive, you're annoying, you're pathetic, you're bad at relationships, you just dysfunction every time, your family is broken. You'll never have a happy Christmas because your family is too messed up. On and on these words can go. So that leads me to something I want to say at the beginning of this message. There are just two points. It's a holiday sermon. There are two points. They're on your outline in your bulletin. If you want to write these uh, fill in the blanks down, that would be good too. And this is the first thing I want to say. What's true about you now, what's true about you now does not have to be true about you later. What's true about you now does not have to be true about you later. And I want you to feel that. Would you internalize that? Would you believe it? Would you embrace it? And the reason that I can be so bold and confident in saying that is because I believe that God's power is bigger than your past. Now That's where the amen goes in in the sermon. I believe that God's power is bigger than your past. Yeah. God's grace is greater than any label some person has affixed to you. What's true about you now does not have to be true about you later. If you have embraced some kind of negative, immobilizing, self-defeating label in your life that holds you back, that holds you down, that keeps you from God's best plan for your life, then let me just say, name it something different. Put a different label on it. Because what's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Let me tell you a story. This is from the book of Genesis. This is the story of Jacob. Remember Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob, the next generation. Jacob now is looking for a wife. And he is uh, passing through a field one day, and he notices a young girl who is tending her father's flock. Her name was Rachel. And she was stunning. And Jacob took one look at her and said, Kazau, that is a beautiful girl. And the Bible's clear about this. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. No wonder Jacob warmed up to her immediately. Now, we also know that Rachel had a sister. Her name was Leah. And the Bible's pretty straightforward about Leah. While the Bible says that Rachel was beautiful... The Bible also says about her sister Leah that she had weak eyes. Leah had weak eyes. In other words, she had big glasses with big, big thick lenses in them. And so she couldn't see very well. That hasn't worked all weekend. I don't know why I keep trying these things. That's, that's really actually funny. And so I thought it was. So, so the Bible says Rachel's beautiful. And that Leah has a really nice personality. So you're following this now. So Jacob goes to the father of these girls and says, I want your daughter Rachel's hand in marriage. And the father says, okay, I'll give you my daughter Rachel if you work for me for seven years. Seven years, tend the flocks for seven years. And Jacob agrees to this arrangement. So for seven years, he works works it out. And so after seven years, he said, time's up, you know. Where's the daughter? And the father says, okay, here's the daughter, marry her. And, and she had her face covered, but Jacob was smart. He raised up, and, and there was weak eyes. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to marry weak eyes. I want Rachel. And so the father said, okay, you've got to work for me seven more years. He agreed. So for 14 years, he worked until he got Rachel as his wife. And they wanted to have a family and they tried to conceive. It was very difficult for them. They finally conceived a son, and they wanted to have another baby. And so they, they finally conceived another son. And so Rachel now is about to deliver their second child, and something tragic happens. I want you to see what happened. And this is all in the context of renaming something. Name it something different. Look at Genesis 35 on the screen with me, verses 16 and 18. Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair for you have another son. And as she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. Rachel, in her dying breath, named her son one thing, and the father named him something else. You know, I, I, I Googled the names that people are choosing for their children now in today's American culture, and so some of the boys' names that people are actually naming their kids, the boys' names are Arrow, A-A-R-O-W, Bobo, Miggy, Turtle, hey, little turtle, Blade, you know, that'll look good on the tattoo, right, Blade. Some of the girls' names are Fruity, F-R-O-O-T-I, Fruity, Dirsty, D-R-S-H-T-I. Watch the spelling there on the end. D-R-S-H-T-I. Dirsty, I think that's how you pronounce it. Some little girls are being called Messiah. No pressure there, right? And who's this? That's the Messiah. You live up to that. Some folks are naming their children. Here's how it's spelled, L A, then with a dash and an A. L A dash A. And when I look at that, I, it goes, Laha, La How would you pronounce it? La-dasha. Ladasha. Someone got it right. Ladasha. Oh yeah, come on. Well, sp- people are doing this to their poor children. Rachel named her son Ben Oni. Ben in Hebrew means son, and Oni means sorrow. Think about this. Here's this poor woman. She's giving birth, and she knows she's dying. And so out of her sorrow, she says, this is the son of my sorrow. I'll never get to raise him. I'll never get to care for him. I'll never be able to nurture him. I'll never see him grow. I'm going to miss his whole life. This is the son of my sorrow. And she dies. Now, it was also a sorrowful day for Jacob. I mean, think about this. He worked for that girl for 14 years. He loved her. And now that, now that they have their family, she leaves him. It's devastating for him. But instead of living in that devastation, Jacob decides to give the boy a different name. The mother, before she died, gave him the name Son of My Sorrow. But Jacob gives him the name ben Jamun, which means the son of my right hand. The son of my right hand. Now, in Hebrew culture, Old Testament times, the right hand was the hand of blessing, the hand of peace. So when a father conferred blessing on his son, he put his right hand on his head and conferred the blessing. And so Jacob said, listen, this is a sad day, but it's not always going to be a sad day. Good days are coming, and good days are ahead. So I'm not going to name him the son of my sorrow. I'm going to name him the son of my right hand, the son of my blessing. This leads me to the second point I want to make, the last point of this message. You'll see it on the outline, and it's this simple point that I've been making. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. No, you don't. You don't get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. You do get to choose what you call it. If there's a label that has come into your life and you don't like it, then name it something else. Call it something different. Remember, God's power is greater than your past. So what is true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. Call it something else. So many people that I meet here and there actually believe that their lives have been disqualified from meaningful, purposeful service. Not only in important relationships, but disqualified from service to God and his church. They think that their failure or that season of their life has disallowed, disqualified them from meaningful service. And and they actually have allowed that to define their lives. And here's what I'm here to tell you today, that you don't have to get to choose what comes into your life, but you do get to choose what you call it. And so here's my encouragement to you, rename that season, rename that event in your life. You can call it a disqualifying failure if you want, or you can rename it your greatest strength. And the reason you can rename it that is because you happen to know the power of God available to change you. And if something has come into your life that has affected you in such a negative way, God will actually use that very same thing to impact another person's life in a powerful way. And you're sensitive to it. You're you're empathetic toward it because you know the power of God necessary to deliver you from such a disqualifying event. And you know the the, the power that God has and the devastation that the sin has in your life. And so you understand the recovery process and you know that God can, can do something great in your life. And if He can do it for you, He can do it for someone else. So you can call it a liability or you can recognize your past is your greatest asset, useful to God in the lives of others. Just rename it, call it something else. The enemy may come into your life and mean something for your harm. But our good God can take the same thing and use it for good in his purposes. I've never told this story uh, in public, but many years ago when I was being ordained in our denomination, there's a a process that takes years, literally, a process that you uh, have to jump all these hoops to get to a place where you're you're, uh, finally certified and ordained in our denomination. So there's there's theological writing that you have to do, there's a series of interviews, there's psychological testing that takes place. And so I went through with a class of other ordinands all the way through this. We were in the same class for two or three years together and we got to the end of it where everyone was being approved and ordained. And everybody in my class was approved except me. I was delayed. I was told that That my personality type wasn't conducive to being in pastoral ministry. I was told that the way that I conceived theology and the the, the different set of gifts that I had uh, didn't really fit the profile of a person who should be in in leadership in a church. And that my worldview about how ministry unfolds is a little bit too different. Uh, I was actually told by one person that it was different and a bit extreme. Someone else actually called it dangerous and weird. And when I tell people this, when I tell people this in private, they look at me and say, are you kidding me? So, so what happened? I said, well, they delayed me. And so I had to do this clinical and pastoral uh, special program for one more year and jump in these hoops and, you know, getting evaluated and that sort of thing. And the whole idea was to discourage me from being in ministry. They said, we're, we're going to help this guy figure out what he sh- should really be doing because he can't do this because he's, he's, just, not, he's just wrong in every way. He just doesn't fit in. And so, and so when people say, well, what did you do? Because they know I'm still in ministry. They know this was many years ago. Here's what I did. I just renamed the whole thing. You say I'm not qualified and I'm out of the box and I'm a little bit different. I just thought to myself, you know, in a denomination that's failing and doesn't have a clue about what, what it means to advance the kingdom of God, maybe different is good. Maybe out of the box is a good idea. Maybe someone with a different approach might be beneficial. And so I just renamed it. And that's what you can do as well. Someone in this room needs to hear this. You need to hear it. You've been owning a label for way too long. Someone labeled you, and it may have been true in the moment, but it's not true forever. This is not the son of my sorrow. This is the blessing of my right hand. This is a moment for you. If you don't like what you've been called, name it something else. If people have called you insecure, respond by saying, no, I'm renaming that. I am confident in Christ. If someone calls you lazy, you say, well, no, I'm transformed by Christ, and I'm more motivated now to follow his best plan for my life than I have ever been. Someone may call you miserable, label you that. You say, no, no, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Someone may call you undependable or a cheater or a loser, and you respond by saying, no, I am forgiven and cleansed and transformed and made new. Somebody say that you've been through a difficult season, and it's disqualified you. And you say, no, no, that season was in order to be conformed to the image of Christ. I'm a different person than I used to be. God is making all things to work together for good in my life. I am being shaped into the image of Christ. Trust is growing. Faith is growing inside of me because of my experience. Some of you may be labeled lonely. I am so lonely, and especially at Christmas, it makes me feel so lonely. How about this? Rename it, I'm growing closer to Christ, more dependable, dependent on him. He is my strength. He is my identity. He is my hope. You say, oh, no, you don't understand. You don't know how badly my failure was. How about renaming your failure the launch pad into meaningful ministry to others who have experienced the same kind of pain that you've been through? Just rename that thing. You can't decide what's going to happen to you, but you can decide what to call it and change your attitude about it. And the power of God, which is bigger than your pain, bigger than your problems, bigger than your, your failures, will be sufficient to meet you at the point of your need. Yeah, yeah. Somebody needs to hear that. Some, some of you, you stumbled in here tonight. You're with family or friends. Maybe you're visiting, you've never been here before. You wonder what's happening. Let me tell you what's happening. God is drawing you to himself. You feel hope rising up in your heart that you haven't felt in a long time. The story of Christmas is starting to come clear to you. Because God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for your life. God's not finished with you. He has work for you to do. Let me show you one more verse. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. The old is gone. The new is here. Any man or woman who is in Christ who says yes to the gift of of hope and life that is provided through the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anyone in Christ places their hope and faith in him. The old is gone. Behold, all things become new. There's hope for you. God has a plan for you. What's true about you now doesn't have to be true about you later. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. You do get to choose what you call it. So let's call it something different in Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pause and just pray about these things for a moment. Thank you for the celebration that Christmas provides for us, O God, in sending your Son, Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus means generous, the one who saves. Christ means the anointed one. Jesus Christ, the anointed one who saves. And if you're in the room today and you're connecting some outward label with your inward identity and you know it's been a hindrance to you, then let me pray for you. Jesus, I don't want to be what someone else says or what I have done or what I have thought about myself. I want to be who you say I am. You say I'm forgiven and accepted and loved and useful and joyful and at peace. God, may we never again call ourselves what is contrary to your image of us. And through it all, conform us to your image and make us more and more like Jesus. Here's the truth, friends. We're all a mess. I'm a mess. You're a mess. Everyone's a mess. We all tend away from God's best plan. We all have sinned. And as I mentioned, you may be sensing something happening to you right now. You're strangely being drawn to God. Because this message has touched you. Let me tell you what that is. It's God drawing you closer to him. You're not here by accident. You're here because God wanted you to be here so you could receive a new label. Forgiven. Accepted. Loved. Child of God. You walked into this room tonight with one label. Sinner separated from God by sin. You're going to leave with another label, a child of God, a member of his family. Jesus came to this earth to live a sinless life, to die in our place as a sacrifice for our sins, rose again on the third day so that anyone who calls on him will be saved from their sins. If this is your hope and this is your prayer tonight, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it out loud. Believe it in your heart. God will hear you. Everyone, I'm inviting you to pray this out loud after me. You ready? Heavenly Father, I turn to you. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Make me new. Give me a new name, a new label. Forgiven. Child of God, I want to know you. Live for you serve you. Thank you for new life. I give you mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.